the promise that I issue to you is that by one o'clock today, you will know more than you do now. LBC 97.3 Mystery Hour with James O'Brien. Mystery Hour. Gosh, that voice sounds portentous. And rightly so, because it portends some magical occurrences. This is my favourite part of the week. And uh, and it also constitutes favourite part of the listening week for, for many of you, I know. So let's uh, just remind ourselves and enlighten newcomers of exactly what it involves. First thing I'll say is, look, it's mystery. It's Thursday. Phone lines are open. 0845 is the number to call. Hit the numbers now. You will get through a situation that is never sustained for long on a Thursday. Busiest switchboard in town every single day of the week, but on Thursdays from 12 till 1, it really moves into the realms of the ridiculous. So if you have a question to which you have failed to find an answer, this is your golden and weekly opportunity. It's like the radio equivalent of the newspaper columns that uh, invite readers to send in a question. Why do we do this? What is that? Where, Where does that come from? And other readers then hopefully furnish them with answers. But it takes days, weeks, sometimes even months. Here it's live. 0845 If you have a who or a why, a where, a when, a wherefore, a whither, we'll even do a whence if you're feeling so inclined. Uh, the point is this. You need to get your question on the board as quickly as possible. And when you hear somebody else ask a question to which you know the answer, then the number remains the same and you have to ring in with it. The prize on offer is... Well, just about the most desired plaudit in the world of radio. It's a genuine, bona fide mystery hour round of applause. 0845-6060-973. And the questions can be as silly or as serious as you like. We've covered areas of quite complicated science, and we've also answered questions rather winningly last week, such as, why can't my dog drink through a straw? To which I quite predictably replied how do you know he can't and if you want to hear the answer to that you'll have to download the podcast of last week's mystery hour but it is there i say it worth it um so there you got the numbers you got the uh, mo you know how it works you've got the chance you don't have to join in by all means just sit back and feel the knowledge wash over you but the point of this whole part of the program is you're not allowed to look stuff up it's a celebration of education illumination elucidation it's an opportunity to show off knowledge that you have accrued in the traditional sense five minutes after 12 jack is in waterloo jack you've got the first question of the week what's it going to be morning jane hello jack uh crossings crossings puffin pelican toucan what's that about yeah zebra zebra crossing obvious understandable easy you know black you can and see white that one. stripe on stripe off stripe on stripe off cannot work out the other three i'm in the process of, of learning to drive and these have come up and i, I cannot fathom it did all. you hear the story i was sharing a moment ago about this fella in france no so what you're telling me is that you've tuned in for Mystery Hour and Mystery Hour alone this week. <laughs> I've been listening all morning, James. Yeah. I missed the, missed the last 20 minutes I was on lunch. There, there's a fella in France who... Uh, I don't want to put you off. I know you're learning to drive and you're probably a little bit nervous about it. But a fella in France got, got in his car and every time he pressed the brake, it, it started going faster. I read that in the paper this morning, yeah. 125 miles an hour until he ran out of petrol. When's your next lesson? Sunday. Enjoy it, won't you? <laughs> i'll get the question on the board uh, he's right i mean seabirds seem an odd hook on which to hang the names of, of pedestrian crossings uh, there, there, there may not be a reason for it but there will be an explanation of it oh eight four five six oh six oh nine seven three samantha 
is in Thornton Heath. Samantha, delight me. Oh, I hope I delight you. I, James, hello. hello I have sir. given up cakes and chocolates for Lent. Oh, well done, you. I know. But I missed the pancakes day because I was away. And I was saying to the guys at work, are pancakes considered cakes? And they were going, oh, I don't know. The question may be in the answer. The answer may be in the question, pancake. It went to it went all the way to the European Union at one point, whether or not a Jaffa cake was a cake or a biscuit. Exactly, that's but if, what I said. But if a pancake's not a cake, what is it? Because, you know, I can, like, especially the, the American fluffy type one. Well, they rise. They've got a raising agent in them. They've got yeast or baking powder in them. Is that a cake, then? Then I think it's more like my definition of cake built upon precisely no qualifications whatsoever, would be a dough-based delicacy that rises when cooked. But, 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 but... No, biscuits don't rise, do they? No. 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 So a pancake is, is ergo, not a cake. Well, that's an incredibly exciting response, considering <laughs> I have no right whatsoever to sit in judgment on this. On this, but, but why? How can it be a cake when all the rules of cake are broken by a pancake? You don't that's bake it. Been... You bake a cake. Okay. If I'd known you were coming, I'd have baked a cake, not thrown okay. some batter into a pan and watched it sizzle. That wouldn't even rhyme. And it doesn't rise. It's got no raising agent in it. No yeast or baking powder. You don't put yeast in a cake, but you use self-raising flour. You use plain flour in a pancake. Yeah. A Yorkshire pudding rise. That's got egg, egg in it. It's got egg in that as well. Why does a Yorkshire pudding rise and a, and a pancake doesn't? I want to be able to make pancakes. Yeah, you can have some pancakes. Listen, I think we've concerned ourselves for long. Let me, well, let's see. I will say it. And if the round of applause, which is finely tuned to consult all of the major reference works of our time, if, if it excites the, 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 the needle here in the studio, if it nudges into yes, you'll hear a round of applause. So I will say to you, Samantha in Thorn- Thornton Heath, pancakes are not cakes. Oh. Oh. Oh, it's not, it's not, it's not worked. That's not good. It's not, I don't want you know, it's not tripped the switch. That's not good. I've given it up for a long time. I can't eat it if I can't have it. I know, this is a bit awkward. I'm going to, I'm going to try again. Joan, stop messing about. Pancakes are not cakes. Oh, thank goodness for that. Samantha, you're, 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 you're clear. You're home and dry. Go and have some lunch. But, but leave the radio on. Kevin's in Tooting. Kevin, question or answer? Answer, James. Bring it on. Um, pedestrian or pelican crossings, puffin and toucan crossing? <laughs> puffin and toucan, yes. <laughs> um, pelican, it's, it's a strange abbreviation. It's pedestrian, light, controlled. Huh? They're basically the ones with the yellow box, you press the button. Yes. Pelican. Puffin, yeah, pelican or pelican. Um, Puffin is pedestrian user-friendly, so they've got cameras on the top that either face the count the amount of cars that go through or where people stand on either side of the road to change yep. their lives accordingly. And Toucan, or Toucan, is Toucan Cross, so it would be a pedestrian and cyclist, usually near parks and stuff And like so that. probably the, pe- well, whichever one came first, probably the Pelican. I would have guessed. And they, because that one got a sort of nice little seabird-based nickname, they managed... And, and, also, and also you've got the, the, the pips as well, the, the, the audible pelican sort of sound. Yeah, no, I, that, so they just managed to sort of find a seabird-based nickname for the new ones when they came along. Well, did they all come in at the same time? I'm not sure. I've you don't need to be. I've been a driving instructor for six years, so uh, I, uh, I'm hoping that I uh, 
qualify for I, I am going to give you a round of applause. Did you, oh. hear, did, did, did you hear the story about the driver? I did, and I've, I've recently got a car that's got cruise control, so uh, I'm teaching. I'm dreading that happening. Yeah. But, yeah. but you'll be all right. This is an ad- adapted car. They think it's probably yeah. the adaptations that did it. Because you could just take the key out of the ignition, couldn't you, normally? Well, that? that's what I'm thinking, but, mm. you know, if it's an automatic, it could have different issues. Well, it will. I mean, it's it's it's, a, it's an adapted car for his... Um, he's epileptic. It's been adapted for his disabilities as well, so that's almost right. certainly the reason why it happened. None of which, of course, detracts from this fact. Thank you very much, James. Thank you very much. 11 minutes after 12, Hal is in Brighton. Professor Hal wants a stalwart of this section of the show, but for reasons that are completely elude us, he's been very quiet lately. What question, Professor Hal, has tempted you back from your self-imposed scientific purder? Um, I'm back from exile to talk about cakes and biscuits. Go on. So, a pancake. Is it a cake? Professor Howe, for people who are, are new to mystery, how many people are, is the Professor of the Public Understanding of Science at the University of Brighton. So when I said that our questions veer from the silly to the serious, I should have pointed out that so too do our respondents. Over to you, Professor Howe. It's not unconnected with the Jaffa cake question, if I may. Um, oh. Biscuits get softer if left out, cakes get harder if left out. Ipso facto, Jaffa cakes get harder and therefore they were termed as biscuits and therefore didn't attract the VAT. And that's because biscuits tend to be hygroscopic and absorb water. Cakes tend to lose water because they dry out. So I think if you left a pancake out, especially the traditional UK pancake, which doesn't rise, I suspect that would get harder. Um, yeah, but so does bread. That doesn't make bread a well, biscuit. I didn't say it did, but we're differentiating between biscuits and cakes. Bread's a different but, but, no, but, but pancake's never going to be a biscuit. No one's even claiming it's a biscuit. I think pancake needs a genus. Is that the right word? Uh, maybe an order rather than a genus. Okay, anyway, I think it needs an order all of its own. If you left the pancake out, it would get hard. It would get hard around the edges. But so would a slice of bread. No, but we're not differentiating. The question was, is a pancake a cake? Yeah. And I'm just... The question, you, you're, you're answering a different question. You're answering, is it a cake or a biscuit? It, it could um, be neither, I'm, Professor Howell. I'm pulling it... I'm, I'm putting in the, the, um, the case law, which you widely pointed to, about differentiating between Jaffa cakes. I don't think and the case law sets a precedent in the context of a pancake, which, as we've mooted, could deserve a different order, stroke genus, all of its own. Um, I, I can say definitively, I think it's not a cake, because, uh, sorry, it is, a, it, it is a cake because it gets harder. Go, yeah, go on, then. Whoever speaks first <laughs> <or not. laughs> Thank you, James. <laughs> okay, no, he says he gone full circle then. Did you go full circle then, Professor Howe? I don't know. I, I think uh, you did. I, I did. I, you, 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 anyway, we got there in the end. Jason's in Catford. Uh, no, uh, we'll speak to Jason after this. Phone lines are. LBC. Off. 18 minutes after 12. This is LBC 97.3. What is the question to which you are in desperate need of an answer? Have we cleared the board? Have we, have we gone, we've gone definitive on pancakes? We've gone definitive on crossings? A lot of people are getting in touch with me to tell me that a toucan is not a seabird. I would suggest you've got too much time on your hands. <laughs> it's a bird. Come on. It's got wings. Apparently you can find horse crossings. Did you know this? Have you ever encountered a horse crossing where there's a special place? Do you know what they're called? Pegasus crossings. Thank you to Jakey for that. So that they continue the theme of the wings. Jason is in Catford. Jason, what's your question? All right, basically, I've just spent a week away in Bulgaria. How and was I'm it? Wonder- yeah, not bad. It was skiing. Lovely, actually. Oh, not bad. Not bad. Yeah, all right for some, eh? Yeah, nice. Um, right, what I'm wondering is, most <laughs> European countries use the same uh, same alphabet, bar a few little accents and flicks. 
Yeah. The Bulgarians, it's completely different. Yeah, same as the Greeks and the Russians. That's what I'm wondering, if it derived from somewhere like that, because I know it's close to Greece. And... It, it, it is. It's, it's, you know, I think I'm going to fall apart about 14 seconds into this explanation, <laughs> but I think, Jason, I'll have done enough to get a round of applause by then. You're describing the Cyrillic script. Yes, yes. Which is all to do with the schism in the Catholic Church that unfolded at some point around the 10th or 11th century. And half of the Christians went to Rome and stayed, mm -hmm. stayed with Latin, and half of the Christians went to Constantinople and went with the Cyrillic. It was Saint, I think, Cyrillus, two, two feuding brothers, Cyrillus and Methodius. Methodius took... What, they, I told you it was going to fall apart. <laughs> I told you it was going to fall apart, didn't I? Oh, well. But it is to do with religion and that other business I just sort that of other business. I'm going to have to leave it on the board, aren't I? Uh, maybe. All right. Well, why? Why, why, do, why? why does the Cyrillic script exist in countries that in some cases border uh, nations which use the, the alphabet we use here in Britain? Yeah, Arabic, is it called? I, I don't know. Mark's in Wilston. I thought it was going really well then, Mark, and it all fell apart in the sort of closing stages. <laughs> Still, my favourite part of the show. Oh, you're uh, very kind. Going, you're very, you're yeah. very kind. Question or answer? Um, my question is: Do animals have accents? <laughs> so, if you've got a dog that's been born and lived in Scotland all its life, will its bark be any different to another dog that's been born and lived in London all of its life? Or do birds sing with a different accent in different parts of the country? I, I think they do, you know. But I'm going to need someone to. to I just rings a bell to me with this. The things that develop our accents will be anything from from what the uh, pollution levels are like, uh, how, what what sort of um, other interactions. You see, you, is this a, is this a joke question? No, it's not. Because I, I think, think the answer might be. I don't know about one. dogs, sort of muck barking. <laughs> yeah. But I think birds sing differently according to where they are in the country. I think I've read that recently. I'm going to put that on the board uh, as well. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, it wasn't so much birds, but it was it was dogs and uh, cats, really. But, cats. Um, it was I don't know about... Cats. Yeah. So, well, uh, do any creatures have accents? Regional accents? Yeah. Let's yeah, do that. Yeah. And then, you know, we'll hopefully get a no to some of them. And if we get a yes to some of them, then then we all learn something. Excellent. That's very good. Thanks very much. You're very welcome. Mind how you go. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Cheers, Mark. Bye. Nicky's in Kent. Question or answer? Uh, it's a question, yeah. please. Um, why are apartments called apartments when they're all squashed together? As in, well, well, they're not apart? Yeah. Well, they are, though, aren't they? Well, you'd think it'd be like, it's the same as flats. Why are flats called flats when they're tower blocks? Because they're uh, flat. They're flat. They haven't gone upstairs. And the, apart the, the apartments apartment. are in one building, but they're apart. So it's about a building with the same door, but there's dwellings in it that are apart. You wouldn't need a new name if, if you had a different door for every dwelling, because they wouldn't all be in one building. So it's about an apartment is in a building with a shared door, but is apart from the other dwellings in that building. Right. Are you going to take that? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, don't you listen to the hesitation, <laughs> Nicky. That's a blinking brilliant answer. Oh, you can have that one now. Come okay. on, come on. How many are mine today, Jones? How many is that now? Three, four? Cooking with gas. I'm just knocking them out of the park today. Wayne's in Hartford. Wayne, question or answer? It's a question, James. Yes. Right, I am sure that, like me, you enjoy the fruit of pear. I enjoy it. It's a delicious, pear. yummy, 
yummy fruit. With a bit, of, do you know, I like then, a pear. Hang on, I just thought we were having a bit of small talk before we got on to the question. Yes, yeah, go on, yeah, go I like yeah, it. Yeah. A, a bit of cheese. I find goes well with a pear. Oh yes, and uh, and the grapes, grapes as well with a bit of cheese. Yeah, nice, a, a nice cheese. bit of blue cheese with a with a pear. Anyway, carry on. Oh, made me hungry now. Yeah, and me on. as well. Same here. Go on. <laughs> but so having agreed that a pear is a delicious, yummy fruit. Yes. Why is it when something goes wrong, we say it's gone pear shaped? Ah, because the shape of a pear is not always desirable, particularly in the context of glass blowing. Ah, so it comes from the glass blowing. Yeah, if you're blowing your glass and you want to get a yeah. nice bowl shape, which is yeah. the basis of most glass vessels, if something goes wrong yeah. in the blowing process, I have to be careful how I phrase this. If something goes wrong <laughs> in the blowing process, the the but the the lump of glass at the bottom of your pipe goes pear shaped. Ergo, when things go wrong, they go pear shaped. Right, Excellent. Wayne, yeah. mate, I'm going to do a little dance now. I know we're on the radio, but I am actually going to do a little dance because I I think I just scored a hat trick three in a row, unless I'm very much mistaken. No, I'm very impressed. Right. Yep. Do you I'm want to join me in a boogie? Are you, are you capable of joining yep. me in a boogie? I'm, yep, I'm, I'm standing right. outside let's, at the moment. There we go. Boogie, boogie. Carry on. Wayne, thank you. It's 25 minutes after 12. Karen is in Walthamstow. Karen, question or answer? Hello. Good afternoon. I'd like to know why is it always brandy uh, being given when somebody feels ill? Why not any anything else? Why is there always branding? I've tried to phone before, and I love your programme. You're very kind. You're um, most welcome. And I'm glad you've got through. And yes, it's a, I'm and, thrilled to bits. And it's a low... You don't sound it, Karen, if you don't mind me saying so. Sorry? You don't sound thrilled to bits. Oh, I am. <laughs> well, that did. That bit then did. I don't know. Something happened then in your voice. Oh, and that, I'm, that, shocked. Whoa, I'm shocked. Whoa, all right, madam. Calm down. This is wonderful stuff. I like yeah. the question. Why, why brandy? When someone's yes. feeling a bit... Do you think it's just because that's all we would have had back in the day and it's Well, stayed... I did wonder mm. that, and I, and I looked it up in the dictionary and it said um, 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 very alcoholic and yeah. well, they had gin and... But whiskey. you knew that already, didn't you? No, no. No, well, no you knew that brandy was very alcoholic before you looked it up in a dictionary. Yes, yeah. I suppose so. that so. can't but be the reason. Why not gin? Why not whiskey? Whiskey would be... I mean, it's British as well. Yeah. So is gin. Brandy. I just always, always thought about it and yeah. pondered about well, it. Well, I hope we get you an answer. I mean, you've broken my run. I was, I was knocking them all out of the park this, after, this afternoon, but I can't answer that one. But that's just as well, because sometimes, inexplicably, people uh, get a bit irritated when I try to answer all the questions myself, Karen. Well, we do try, because we're human. <laughs> exactly. Thank you, Karen. In fact, give Karen a round of applause for a lovely question and, and some lovely Thank compliments. You very much. Oh, you're very welcome. Oh, yeah, I said nothing wrong with a bit of generosity. 26 minutes after 12, Tim's in Hackney. Tim, question or answer? It's a question, James. Yes. Uh, let's hope we don't make it four. It's, um, Oi. why is a club sandwich called a club sandwich? Yeah. Yeah, you're on. I like that. I, I've got a sneaking suspicion that we might uh -oh. have done that before. That really? doesn't matter, because we didn't recognise it, and you, obviously, okay. you're far too busy to check the Mystery Hour archive at lbc.co.uk, <laughs> but I, I'll leave it on the board. Club sandwich, why? 0845 if you can answer that. Let me, what do we need? So, can we... The Bulgarian alphabet. Explain to Jason why the Cyrillic, I think it's called the Cyrillic alphabet, exists in countries that are so close to our own. Uh, he was in Bulgaria. He could equally have been in Greece or Russia. What's the historical explanation of that split in alphabet uh, between European countries, of course, as well, in the case. Mark in Wilson wants to know whether animals get regional accents. Um, we should give some credit to Adam for getting in touch to say they do. Yes, I once met a Scottish cow who said, Okai the moo.
or Kai the Moo. And the club sandwich, the origin of the club sandwich and the origin of the tradition of using brandy with poorly people. I think we've done all the others. And Dean is in Reading. Dean, question or answer? It's a question, James. How are you? I'm all right, thanks. What is it? What's the question? Good. It's about the international dateline. A friend and I were talking about this the other day. As you as you go east or west from GMT, you either gain or lose hours. And I think when you get to the international dateline on the other side, there's a 24-hour difference. Yeah. If you cross cross west, you, you lose 24 hours on east, you gain or vice versa. If you were able to circumnavigate the globe in under 24 hours, would that mean that you could gain days or lose days, depending on which direction you're going? Now, I was doing really well until the if in that question. So okay. is, this, is this an entirely theoretical question? It is, although not too far from con- well, being conceived. Planes can go to Australia in 24 hours. If they were able to travel twice that speed, surely they could go around the world in 24 hours. Or maybe a missile could go around the world in 24 hours. So, I, I, I kind of think you're asking whether time travel is possible. <laughs> well, no, so I think time travel is about the speed of light. And speed of light's about six or seven million yeah, this is the bit miles per hour. So, um, what would happen if you could circumnavigate the globe in under 24 hours and pass the international dateline twice? Would you gain days or lose You days already do, don't you? If you? I mean, you already go back because of time zones, or am I missing the question again? I think you may. Well, the thing is, you don't ever carry on going all the way around to a full... So if you could circumnavigate the whole globe in less than 24 hours, would you go back in time? Theoretically, yes, that's the question. All right. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> Thanks, James. <laughs> You're welcome. Sam Peters, any thoughts? I think the speed of light is 12 million miles a minute. See? I knew he was the right man to ask. This is LBC 97.3. I'm James O'Brien. It's 12th. LBC 97.3. Call 0845 6060 Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with James O'Brien. 33 minutes after 12, this is LBC 97.3, and this is Mystery Hour, where questions still in need of an answer include the origins of the club sandwich. Karen wants to know why brandy is the tipple of choice for people who are poorly. Mark wonders whether animals have regional accents. It's a serious question, that. Jason still needs to know why the Cyrillic script, the Bulgarian or the Greek or the Russian alphabet, is different from the rest of Europe. And Dean wonders, the problem with these science questions is I don't know whether they're brilliant or stupid. Science is just not my thing, really. I never quite got the hang of it. So when he says, if we could go faster than this, if we could travel around the world faster than 24 hours, would we somehow move in time? To which the intuitive answer is, oh, don't be ridiculous. But the problem with intuitive answers and science is that they often don't go hand in hand. Let's crack on. Lex is in Woking. Lex, question or answer? Answer. Go on, then. Um, It's the one about the uh, uh, difference in alphabets uh, across Europe. Um, It's pretty simple, really. Basically, um, in Western Europe, so um, in England, France, Spain, um, we use a Latin alphabet. Um, and in Eastern Europe, um, the Cyrillic um, uh, languages, the Cyrillic script, um, for example, in Russia and so on, um, are based on the Greek alphabet. Yeah, we did. I mean, 
I'm going to sound ungrateful, Lex. We know we we I already said that. The question is why. Um, it's just the evolution of language, basically. No, um, I if think you it, it, at, if you go, if you have a look at the German language, yes, and and the alphabet they use in German Germany, um, it's actually halfway in between the two. You have um, a, a Latin um, a foundation, but you have a lot of uh, other um, sort of linguistic characters like the um, S set in German um, that's actually coming from Greek. Um, and it also, if you have a look at the grammar in German as well, um, the way they structure the grammar yeah, is actually I, like Greek. The, but a, most a, of the, again, uh, again, we're not uh, we, uh, the historical explanation of how it began because evolution only works once you've explained the origin. Well, I think possibly what you said um, may may uh, yeah, but we need more than that. Touched on it because um, if you look at religion as well, um, if you look, but at it's always going to be religion. I've, I've, I think I've remembered. You've jogged my memory. The, the Eastern European um, faith basically follows the Greek Orthodox Church, the Russian Orthodox Church. This is post schism, and Cyril Cyril was a was a Greek Orthodox missionary. And when he was taking the Bible to various Balkan countries which had no written language, only a spoken language, he had to invent a new script, which he based on the Greek, but with different characters, to, um, to express the sounds that were particular to those languages. So that's right. why. Whereas um, in Western Europe, because we got conquered by the Romans, um, the, the foundation was, originates from Roman Catholicism, and uh, we use Latin. And it's pretty much as simple as that, really. It's just the history and religion. Yeah. The thing is, I've provided this answer, not you. Um, I think, well, yeah, as I said to the producer, um, what, what you um, basically uh, said was pretty much correct. Because when he was in Thessaloniki, um, Cyril learnt Slavonic and then invented the Slavonic script. To be honest, I think your, your knowledge of the historical information is probably better than mine. Yeah, but mine, now uh, I feel like a bit of a prig for saying so, because you've, I, I you've, you've dealt with it so, so modestly and warmly. So what we'll do, we'll share it. Shall we split it down the middle? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, I only know it because my mum's Russian and she's Russian Orthodox and I speak Russian and I've studied French, Spanish and, and German. So I come entirely from the linguistic side of it. My, my, I'll, I'll admit my historical knowledge is not, uh, not brilliant. No, you don't, well, it is now, mate. <laughs> Thank you. Come on. Thank you, Lex. Okay. John's in Mary Lebone. John, question or answer? Is it? Is what are you it? Uh, yes. Yes, it is him. Yeah. Okay. Expect him to answer on food, wouldn't you? Uh, you've gone for the club sandwich answer, fingers. Uh, club sandwich. That's it. Um, I am ninety-eight percent sure. Ninety-nine percent sure. It's named after the club in which it was invented in New York, and rather like the Earl of Sandwich created the idea of a sandwich in the first place when he was playing cards mm. and sent for a piece of meat between two bits of bread while he save him getting up. There was a club in New York, and I can't remember which one. It might have been the Knickerbocker Club, I forget which, that invented the club sandwich. And so ever since then, it's been a club sandwich. That'll do for me. Good. And I'm sorry I'm not going to be eating sandwiches with you on Sunday week at the charity I, well, you know, I, I, obviously with, with half a million people listening, Fingers, it's unlikely <laughs> that they will all be interested in the reasons why I won't be playing cricket on Sunday, but anybody no, who wants to come along to the... Uh, to the Bank of England Sports Ground in Roehampton. Uh, remind us some of the celebrities that will be there. Well, you know, you've got me, Graham Gardens, um, uh, Chris Tarrant. Chris Tarrant's there, yes, and his son Toby, who's rather better. Who, who than, uh, caught, like, I mean, just going back a couple of years to the February Fools cricket match at the Bank of England Sports Ground in Roehampton on Sunday, who caught Chris Tarrant out in quite spectacular fashion? Just I remember, two or... it was some, some, some 
Yeah, broadcaster who runs some funny program. I can't remember. It was sort was. of it was sort of diving across the pitch like <laughs> a <laughs> like a like a I don't know almost like a seabird swooping over the turf, and then the ball yeah, miraculously yeah. stuck to his hands. Didn't he get man of the match for it? As I well? think he may have done. Yes, but his <laughs> name eludes by me. The, by the way, just very quickly, it's not this Sunday. It's Sunday the twenty fourth. That, of course it is. No, my mistake. You're you're absolutely right. I'm at my mum's. We got it all there, the 24th. I'll put details in my blog. It's a good cause, that. A very good cause indeed. I'm sad I can't join in this year. Max uh, Rushton off uh, the soccer I am on Sky. He's, he's one of the captains of, captain of the team I was going to play in. Do go along if you're nearby. Philip is in barking. Philip, question or answer? Question, unfortunately. Why do you say unfortunately? Oh, you get so many of them. <laughs> well, I like questions. If I didn't have questions, I wouldn't be able to show off my knowledge. Go on. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Right, why is a tank top called a tank top? Because it's got absolutely nothing to do with the military. Bullets don't bounce off it. Yeah, that's stumped you, hasn't it? Yeah, well, hang on. Give us a chance. <laughs> I'm not stumped. I'm just pausing. I'm letting you enjoy your moment in the spotlight, Philip. I don't want to start marching in there, nicking all the glory before you've barely <laughs> finished speaking. Why is a tank top called a tank top? Well, I usually associate them with people that wear, like, sandals and eat chicken and onion crisps. And hey, steady on. I've got a rather fetching tank top myself this season. <laughs> I kid you not. What's a, a tank? A tank top. Is it because mm. it's shaped like a tank? Like, mm. a, like a water tank? Nah, nah, no, 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 no. No. All right, I'll leave it on the board. It's all falling apart now. I was playing a blinder. David is in Holloway. David, question or answer? I'm afraid I'm going to add to your very long list of questions, James. Why is everyone apologising? I've nailed loads so far today. We've got, well, well, you've we've... only got 20 minutes left. Yeah, well, we've, got, we've done the club sandwich, we've done the apartments, we've done pear-shaped, we've done okay. the Bulgarian alphabet. We're cooking with gas, come on! Well, I hope you can rise to this. Yeah. Um, what, what makes small babies smile? I met my first cousin once removed at eight weeks old the other week, and I was holding him, and he smiled at me, and I thought... Well, he doesn't know what's funny, does he? He didn't smile at you, David. What was he doing? No, he wasn't doing anything else. It was wind. We checked. It no. was wind. I promise it you. It was wind. It's, it's, everybody thinks that they've got this amazing, like, baby whisperers the first time they pick up a baby. Oh, my God, he's smiling. He's just letting one go. Are you sure? Absolutely positive. Do you know how I know? Because you've got a children. Dan, the nurse told me on the left. I went, look, look, she's smiling, she's smiling with my eldest. And I was sort of, you'll find this very hard to believe, seeing as you know me so well, I was being a little bit smug and show-offy. And, okay. and Mrs. O'Brien was gloriously unimpressed and, and said to the nurse, is, is she really smiling? And the nurse went, no, she's got wind. Okay. So that's the bad news. The good news is I get a round of applause for answering correctly. Well done. Thank you. Nigel is in Richmond. Nigel, question or answer? Uh, it's an answer, James. See you. Carry on, Nigel. Right. Well, I was going to answer the um, sort of the theories and technicalities behind the time travel one, but um, I'm going to do the animal accents instead. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, hang on. What it, have you cleared with the producer? The animal... Yeah, it was the animal accents. Oh, good. Go, well, less yeah, of the autobiography, <laughs> Nigel. More of the answer, mate, please. <laughs> I'll go for the easy one. But, um, yeah, um, it's, a, it's a question that's always uh, intrigued me as well, and I did actually um, notice it after I have uh, uh, discovered it on my travels. Because um, uh, primarily in London, pigeons. Pigeons. They always, they always seem to go, hoo-hoo-hoo, hoo-hoo-hoo. They're wood pigeons. Yeah. That's yeah. A, it's a, well, pigeon-shaped thing. But on a recent trip to Hungary, <laughs> I noticed all the pigeons go, hoo-hoo-hoo, and it's, they, all do it, they all do it differently. But they sounded the same. Do the London one again. 
Uh, okay, it was hoo hoo hoo. And now do the Hungarian. Now do the Hungarian one. Oh, it was hoo hoo hoo. I think I might have changed it, but yeah, it was, they were definitely different. It was definitely sort of three tones, but, but definitely differently arranged, and they, they all do it. Do, do do the London one again. Hoo 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 hoo. So it was hoo hoo hoo. Just just the London one. Don't do the, the Hungarian. Just do the London one for us. <laughs> I'm feeling a bit of a nick now. Actually. Nigel, <laughs> but just get on with it. This is important scientific research. Do the London one again. <laughs> now the Hungarian one. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. They're actually different. <laughs> and, and they all do it. And it was it was it actually struck me that they were different. And I went yes. They're different, but I've, do, I'm, do, I've you, I, haven't, I haven't discovered it in cats or dogs yet. Cause does, I'm, I'm not do you think the wood? Is, is this like the Cyrillic script and the Roman script? Does the world <laughs> divide into two categories? There's either the Hungarian coup or the or the London coup, or do you think pigeons may coup differently in all sorts of different places in the world? Whenever I am going to, I'm going to uh, obviously further my research with uh, <laughs> other other pigeons around the world. Yeah, uh, but uh, that, that was the first time it struck me. Qualifications, Nigel. Um, I used to be a scientist in a government veterinary laboratory, um, surrounded by animals all the time. <laughs> Looking for sheep, 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 and cows, mooing and cooing. I always, and I always wondered, do they? <laughs> so we've established, that, yeah. I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it? And uh, that's the first time I actually noticed it, and it's like, blimey! Cuckoo! Did you went cuckoo? Woo! <laughs> Let's give Nigel a round of applause. You're delighted. Oh, there you go. It was worth it, wasn't it, in the end? You sort of, what uh, was that fellow yeah, on the telly? He used to go, oh, you can't say that anymore, can you? He used to go on that Saturday night television programme where children's dreams came true. And he used to do, uh, no, he was on the Generation Game. He was on the other one. You can still talk about that. He used to do bird, bird noises. Yeah. Percy yeah. Thrower? Yeah, Percy Thrower. Percy Edwards, the garden. No, Percy Thrower is the Blue Peter Garden. Who's the fellow that used to do all the bird noises? Percy Edwards. Percy Anyway, you're nothing like him. No, he was well no. Right. <laughs> 12.45. Jay Louise Knight is in the LBC 97.3 Travels. 11 minutes to one. That's, uh, crikey. That's, n- <laughs> that's rubbed up against some funny bones, hasn't it? We will definitely put that little exchange with, with Nigel in Richmond out on um, Audio Boo, so you can play it to whoever you please. If you're wondering why, well, this is why. Laurie's in Chelmsford. James, you wicked man. You've just had me in tears. Uh, Julie and Alice on the M1. James, uh, you are a genius. And, and so it goes on. I might keep some of those for a low day. And speaking of low days, this is the nicest compliment you could ever pay somebody on the radio. And Matt in Lewisham has been kind enough to pay it to us today. James, I've had a hard time lately and the pigeon man has just made me laugh so much. Thank you. Our pleasure. Nigel, I know I speak for you as well. Tony is in Chertsey. Tony, question or answer? It's an answer, James. It's to the, uh, whether we travel in time, if we uh, circumnavigate the globe, in less than uh, 24 hours. Yeah, you see, you put it like that, and I'm thinking silly question in the first place. <laughs> well, it's, it's, not, it's not that silly. Okay. Uh, because, ah, right, because I'm, I'm surprised, James, that you're not quite, you're not pretty good at these science questions. Tony, it's not all about me. It's not all about me, my friend. This is about the planet, man. All oh, right, OK, yeah, yeah, we'll go to the planet. What, your brain isn't the size of a planet, then, James? <laughs> no, no, okay. I'm sure last, last chance, Tony. Give me a blinking okay, answer all right, now. All right. all right, it's convenience time and elapsed time. Elapsed time is what we all experience as we move uh, from one place to another. 
And um, but convenience time is what is to do with um, circumnavigating the Earth. And uh, you can't have um, uh, a day uh, in the same place, you know, or two days in the same place. So there has to be the international dateline, which, which skirts as far as possible through uh, all of. Um, Tony, um, you've done you've oh. done enough. The line is slightly annoying. You, sir, are not, but you've earned a round of applause. Mark's in Walthamstow. Mark, question or answer? It's a question, James. Yes. Um, Real, real dumb one, I think. Uh, Hang on, do, 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 do you know what my switchboard looks like at ten to one on a Thursday <laughs> afternoon? Right, it's a good question, then, James. Thank you, uh, Mark. Carry on. A monoblock tap in a bathroom. A what? Now, when you a monoblock tap, so a tap that's just in the middle of your bathroom on a on a washhand basin. A, a mixer tap. tap. A mixer tap. tap. Yeah. yeah, a mixer tap. Sorry. That's right. When you turn it on and the cold comes out, it makes a certain noise. When you turn the hot on. When the water coming out of the tap is still cold, it will make the same noise. But when the water gets hot, it makes a different noise. Why? What? what? And, I'm, and I'm not making any noise. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just, that came out a no. bit loud. <laughs> Didn't it? Yeah. Well, you have to. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> One would be a low-pitched whistle. Another would be a higher-pitched whistle. So, yeah, and the heat... A whoosh, well, it's a the whoosh. speed that the water's coming out, isn't it? So if no, you... Would the velocity change as heat rises? No, but the, you've got one tap open, and then yeah. you open the hot tap, and... and no, if, no, if you've got just the hot tap open, obviously the first few... First couple of pints of water that comes out of the hot tap will be cold, but then when the hot water starts to come through, the noise changes. And you think the same amount of water is coming through? It's just got and the hotter. same amount of water is coming through. It's just that the temperature's changed. And then but the hotter the it is, no, the pressure will be affected by the heat. Why? Why would it be? What the pressure in the, the pressure in the in the pipe will be constant, wouldn't it, regardless mm. of temperature? No, because hot water it takes up more room than cold water. Does it? Yeah, it expands I'll with heat, and, and and there I'll may even be some steam involved. So so as it comes out the pipes, it gets faster. <laughs> Ergo, the the sound the the, the the point of emission increases, changes. <laughs> Do you know what? I'll accept that. I'm an electrician. I have no idea about plumbing, so... Well, I'm a radio presenter, mate. I've got even less idea than you, but, uh, <laughs> but water, expa- everything expands when you heat it, it pretty much, heat. doesn't it? I hadn't thought, thought of that. I feel quite dumb now. Thank what you what do you mean you feel quite dumb? It's a, it's a, you have to be a genius to work that sort of stuff out on the hoof, Mark. OK, well, obviously, you're, you are the genius. Thank yeah, you very well, much, Joe. Thank you very much for the... Ra- <laughs> thank for, for, you. Thank you. 12.53, it's LBC 97.3. Speaking of on the hoof, Julia, of course, uh, wondering whether you have changed your shopping habits as a result of the ongoing horse meat scandal. Be with you in about seven minutes' time. Until then, we've got a few more questions we need to knock off the board. Les is in Blackheath. Les, question or answer? Answer. Come on, Les. Uh, right, it does come from the military, tank tops. It comes from the First World War on the first original tanks. Really? Yes, they were riveted plates, lapped over, and when the bullet would strike the edge of the tank, the spray would go inside of the bullet, which, uh, the, would fragment, and the droplets would spray onto the occupants and the drivers and the, the crew. So they developed a thing called the tank top, which was made in leather, which actually started to go completely over the head and right away down the shoulders. And then your helmet was on top of that, and you wore goggles as well. Why would it not and cover that, the arms? Uh, because your arms are covered anyway with your jerkins and your normal uniform. Yeah, but so is but your this chest. Stopped, this stopped the droplets of the molten metal falling down your neck. 
Oh, okay. Qualifications? Uh, plumbing and heating engineer for the British War Museum for 12 years. It's interesting. Was I? Well, I don't want to spoil it. I think Sat's going to have a crack at that last question next, so I don't want to spoil it for him. I d- yes. So the tank top was worn by tank commanders in tanks. Not commanders. The crews all, all staff as well. All, all staff in all a tank. All the staff inside. Yeah, they're made of leather, and they're covered over the shoulders and right the way down to your tummy and over your back and over your shoulders and up your neck and over your head. And they were called tank tops. I'm going to give you leather. That. I'm going to give you that. And by the way, and by the way, density of water is hotter. Hot water and cold water are two different densities, by yeah, the way. that's what I said. No, you didn't. You yes, said I did. temperature. Hot water expands, which is correct. Sat's in, sat's in Dartford. Sat, help us out. Hello, mate. Uh, All right, sir. Simple answer, really. Uh, the cold water is coming from your main feed outside, which has very high pressure. Yeah. And the hot water has to be heated somehow, like your boiler or whatever method you've got, and that's where the pressure drops. So you were right along the lines of pressure, but the reason oh. so much for the expansion. Of are the you uh, so you are you expecting me to share? Uh, I'd be very grateful if you want to give me a full one. That's even better. You want a slice of my round of applause? No, you can't have a full one. I've already closed this down. Really, you've just given us a slightly different interpretation of my already definitive answer. Why does that. the water make a different noise when it comes out? Answer because the pressure changes with temperature. Out different pressures. Yeah. Well, it's not the temperature that's changing the pressure though well it is as well no it's because the boiler can't bang on don't keep talking because you might make my, my answer sound wrong <laughs> i'll give, give him give him a sir. Uh, yeah. all I'll right take that. i'll take that okay. laura's in bristol laura question or answer hello oh hello laura um i've got a question please marvelous what is it um well, we were watching football at, um, I'm oh, sorry, rugby at the weekend, and I was just wondering, why is it that rugby players, um, don't have their names on the back of their t-shirts, but football players do? Ah, now I, I do, does your dad play football or rugby? Um, he, he likes football. Does, oh dear, because this is quite embarrassing. Football players are too stupid to remember their own names, Laura. <laughs> And rugby players, who've had good educations and paid attention at school, they're intelligent enough not only to remember their own names, but also to sort of get A-levels and degrees and things. Okay. You don't believe me, do you? No. No, I didn't think you would. I don't know the answer, but I quite like mine. In the meantime, we'll try and find you one that works better. Laura, take care. Thank you for the call. Stuart's in Lewisham. Question or answer, Stuart? Well, it's an answer, and you've already half answered it, but I think I've got a more accurate answer. Oh, it's one of those those days today, isn't it? Go on. Cyrillic and uh, Latin in neighbouring countries. Yes. Um, it's because the boundary of the Eastern and Western Roman Empires fell in exactly that part of Europe. When Constantine set up the new Eastern capital in Constantinople, Latin was still the common language, but over time, the influence of Greek culture in the East and the wish to differentiate led to the adoption of the Greek language. Therefore, where the boundary between East and West occurred, so you got the appearance of the different alphabets in each side of the boundary. Uh, uh, because Cyril was a Greek Orthodox missionary and took his language and adapted it for the Slavonic and Balkan countries, subsequently. You're, you're absolutely right about that. But No, um, you've taken us back to the root, to the beginning, to, the, to the seed, the genesis, nay, of so linguistic diversity. It is, and that would be the Byzantine Empire eventually, Constantinople. Exactly. Yeah? What was the Eastern Roman Empire became the Byzantine Roman Empire. Qualification, Stuart? 
lay, lay interest in history. We were never taught about the Byzantine Empire at school when I was in school in the 50s. So uh, I, when I read about it, it was wonderful. And it has earned you this. And that is it for another day. We'll do it again tomorrow morning from 10. This is LBC 97.3. I'm James O'Brien. Here is Julia Harley-Brewer. Thank you very much indeed. Coming up after one o'clock news, I, I hesitated to talk about horse meat again. Talked about it a couple of times in the last month since this story first broke mid-January. But um, a fascinating new poll shows that one in five people have changed their shopping habits and changed their eating habits since the scandal has broken. With more news coming out every day that it's not just one brand, not just one supermarket, and it may be Europe-wide, have you changed what you buy and what you eat? Maybe you thought about going vegetarian as a result. And I'd love to know, who do you blame? 0845 6060 973. On FM... 